You're tuned in to More Living with Jim Brogan, broadcast live from the Brogan Financial Studios at News Talk 98.7, where old-fashioned values, expert knowledge, and genuine understanding come together to give you the retirement straight talk you deserve. Jim's a former National Advisor of the Year recipient and a financial educator, and he's here today to talk about how you can live out the best years of your life. Jim and the Brogan Financial Team have been helping retirees and pre-retirees across the Southeast for over 20 years in their pursuit of financial independence. You can reach them during the week at 865-862-6800. So sit back, relax, and get ready to learn, because more living with Jim Brogan starts now. Happy weekend, East Tennessee, and welcome to More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI on this beautiful weekend, two weeks before the kickoff of the fall football season. I know it's an exciting time of year. I always look forward to this time of year so much as the weather starts to cool off a little bit and we get ready for the fall. Some retirees and pre-retirees may have saved successfully and don't have ground to make up when it comes to planning for retirement. They worry about issues of risk tolerance in their investments, how to generate the most predictable but increasing stream of income, how to minimize taxes, very crucial pieces of a retirement puzzle. Many other people may have to ask how they're going to replace their paychecks so they can achieve their retirement. What if you feel like you're behind the eight ball, whether it comes to the form in the form of maybe working part time in retirement or are you debt free? How would you go about paying down debt, understanding guaranteed income options meant to emulate a paycheck? The bottom line is you have to take the right steps and be aware of the relevant risks. And if you do, you can achieve the retirement you plan for, even if you have risks on your plate. So if you're having questions about strategizing and optimizing your retirement, you're in the right place. In today's show, we're gonna cover debt management. Should you pay off your mortgage? What if you have consumer debt? How do you go about attacking this when you approach retirement or if you're already retired? We'll talk about what it means to work in retirement as we are seeing that more and more often, especially with part-time work. We'll take an honest look as well at annuities, the good, the bad, everything in between. So let's, let's, t- let's talk about debt. You know, it's kind of interesting because in, a, in that so-called mythical American past, you know, families t- took out one 30-year mortgage. You worked at a company for 30 years. You paid off your mortgage, and you sailed into retirement free of debt. And it's easy to advise people to pay off debts in retirement, but for many people it's not realistic, especially when you put in things like cars and mortgages. At the same time, paying down debt once you're retired can be extremely challenging thanks to the tightness of having a fixed, no excess income that many receive in retirement. So tackling retirement and tackling debt often go hand in hand for many people. Now today, debt among older Americans is soaring. The percentage of households headed by someone age 65 and older who have any debt 
Uh, in, it was 38% in 1989. In 2016, it was 61%, according to the Federal Reserve. So not quite doubled. So most Americans, that's telling us, most Americans in retirement or at 65 and older have some kind of debt. And cost of living adjustments for Social Security, as we know, historically, at least since 2000, do not keep up with actual cost of living increases. They do not keep up with inflation. So if you have high interest debt, if you have a home equity line of credit, and, and right now it's, it's up to 8, 8%, you know, how do you manage all that? What if you have consumer debt with high interest rates? There's no easy answer, but I will say, you know, we know that many retirees expect their expenses to go down in retirement, and so you may think you'll tackle the debt then. But that can be dangerous, because some, sometimes expenses actually go up in retirement. So it's just, I think, there's no question in my mind that having everything paid for when you retire, at least other than a mortgage or a car, and or a car, is critically important. Uh, consumer debt, most people I meet with in my office that are looking to retire or have retired, and, and we feel like they're in a pretty good financial situation to be able to retire, very rarely do I see people that have consumer debt, you know, debt on a credit card. Now, I have many clients that are very financially independent that have mortgages, some have car loans. Let's kind of dive into that. What kind of debt is okay? You know, as a rule, you don't want to borrow money against things that depreciate in value. And that kind of rules out almost everything except for our mortgage. So let's talk about car debt first. You know, having car debt, you're, you're taking a loan on something that depreciates in value. Uh, I know in retirement on a fixed income, there's no question in my mind, overwhelmingly, I'm a fan of paying cash for cars, if you can. Now, one thing you have to consider is what if you, most of your money's in retirement accounts? Uh, because if it is, then to get the money out, you know, if you're trading your car, then to whatever the price difference is, to get that money out of a retirement account, you have to pay the income taxes first, and you need to understand that income tax hit. Now, if all of that would be taxed in a 12 or a 22% bracket, or maybe a 24% bracket, that might be okay. But you have to understand the tax ramification of paying cash for a car. And many times, you know, we know interest rates are way up, but there are a lot of times dealer incentives to buy cars uh, if they're new from the factory at a very, very low interest rate. Then again, you can get more car for the money if you buy something a couple of years old. So I think this is important to manage when you get closer to retirement and you retire. As a rule, I just, you know, overwhelmingly my clients that are successful in retirement do not borrow money for cars. Uh, there's exceptions to that. 
But as a rule, they don't borrow money for cars because, you know, in retirement, even if you have a pretty decent income, maybe you got a pension, Social Security, you're taking pretty large minimum distributions from your retirement accounts, even if you've got a pretty good income, it is somewhat fixed. And if a chunk of it has to go to pay in a car payment, you know, that can take a chunk out of your retirement income. Uh, but it's it's not unheard of. I mean, we see people have car debt and are very success, successful in retirement. But as a rule, you really don't want to borrow money on a depreciating asset, which we know cars are going to depreciate, except for rare circumstances. So it's a good idea to, to have no consumer or car debt in retirement. Now, what about a mortgage? And I get asked this all the time. Um, you know, as a rule, I'm a fan of being debt-free when you retire. There's no question it makes things easier from an income perspective. If you look at the income needed to support a mortgage payment, it is usually pretty substantial. And it usually makes sense if you have money that can be accessed without too many tax implications. It makes sense overwhelmingly to pay off the mortgage before you retire. Now, there's exceptions to that. I'll cover a couple of those exceptions. Um, now, I've, as I said, I've got a lot of clients that are financially independent that have mortgages in retirement, uh, especially those that have mortgages at a 3% interest rate, and they've decided not to pay it off. Um, but I'm a big fan of having it paid off because, you know, think of it this way. If you have a $2,000 a month mortgage payment, you know, that's $24,000 a year that you need to pay your mortgage payment. And if you take that out, you know, if, you, if that's taxable income that you need in order to cover that, to get $2,000, you might have to take out $2,500 or $2,600 a month. So you're talking thirty, thirty-one thousand a year of additional income needed to pay a two thousand dollar a month mortgage. So think about that. How much easier would it be to lower your income need in retirement by thirty thousand dollars? You know, even if your mortgage payment is twelve hundred dollars a month. You know, by the time you figure out income taxes, you're going to need an extra $20,000 a year to pay that mortgage. So I am a big fan. However, I, I don't think it's always a slam dunk. I get asked all the time, should I pay my mortgage off? Oh, Jim, I'll lose my tax deduction on my interest expense. You know, fewer and fewer, fewer people are itemizing deductions now. Uh, but the bottom line is, when I look at my clients... And I look at those in retirement. For the most part, clients that have no mortgage payment, income and budgeting is a lot easier than people that do have a mortgage payment. Uh, now, do you need to pay your mortgage off five years before you retire or ten years before you retire? I mean, sure, that's great. But the biggest thing to me is, is that by the time you retire or shortly thereafter, it's great to have a plan to pay off the mortgage. Now, when would you maybe consider not doing that? And there's always exceptions, and I can't cover all of them, but I'm going to give you the two biggest in my mind. One is, if you have to withdraw a significant amount of money to pay your mortgage off, 
What is the income tax implication? You know, if you owe $100,000 on a mortgage and you want to pay it off and almost all your money is in IRAs and 401ks and other retirement accounts, you know, you may have to pull out 130 or 140000 in because of the income tax burden to pay off the $100,000 mortgage. And overwhelmingly, I would not, I, I'm not a fan of that. There's exceptions, of course. But as a rule, I'm not a fan of generating that type of a tax burden. So one would be income taxes. What do you have to, where would you pull that money from? Do you have to liquidate an investment with a long-term capital gain? What is the tax implication, et cetera, et cetera. And then the second thing is, can you afford to pay the mortgage off? You know, if it takes most of your life savings to pay the mortgage off and then you don't have much money, that's probably not a great idea either. Uh, now, I would say maybe you should look at downsizing. Maybe you should look at equity in the house and see, can that some of that be harvested? But the bottom line is you don't want to spend all of your money paying the mortgage off, and then you're retired, and you don't have really any kind of flexibility or margin for things that come up and things that, that cost money. So managing debt is important. Consumer debt, certainly, we don't want to have that in retirement. Credit card debt, or, or excuse me, car debt, as a rule, would prefer not to have car debt in retirement. Uh, there can be some exceptions, especially if you get a low interest rate offering. Um, I'm not totally opposed to leasing cars either, uh, especially if it's got a good residual value and that monthly payment is not too bad. But as a rule, I do like to have cars paid for. The mortgage, it is good to have it paid off if you can do it without too much tax implication and too much stress on your life savings. Now, when we come back, we're going to talk about what it means to work in retirement as more and more retirees are doing that. And there are some tremendously valuable implications of working some in retirement. So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in this weekend to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. I'm your host, Jim Brogan. We're with you every Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. and again from 3 to 4 p.m. You can catch all of our show's podcast either on our website, if you go to broganfinancial.com and click on radio, also on your favorite podcast application, certainly Apple Podcast uh, and Spotify, namely. Um, so please do check us out, download content. You know, in this in the break there, uh, you may have heard about this upcoming class through Pellissippi State Community College on August the 29th. Uh, so that is a week from Tuesday. It is just a one-night class, income planning for retirement, two, two, or excuse me, one night, a two-hour session. And it's at the Hardin Valley location. And to give you an idea, you know, of the things that we're going to be talking about in that class, you know, we're going to talk about identifying your income need in retirement, how to structure stable income in the short term that isn't dependent on the stock market, but how you can grow your income over time for inflation. We talk about social security election. 
We're going to talk about reducing income taxes in retirement. We're going to talk about handling retirement account distributions like IRAs and 401ks and other retirement accounts. And then other considerations like how the effect of income on your tax return in retirement can impact your Medicare premium, your taxation on Social Security benefits, and other impacts. So to find out information, more information, go to PellissippiRetirementIncome.com. Again, that's PellissippiRetirementIncome.com. You can download a syllabus and click to register. Now then in September, on the 12th and the 19th, I'm doing the two-part class through the University of Tennessee, Financial Survival for Retirement. Uh, and it is, again, the 12th and the 19th at the Downtown Conference Center. If you're retired or nearing retirement, We'll talk about all the major things I think people need to be aware of as they approach retirement in four hours, two two-hour sessions. Again, it's September the 12th and 19th at the University of Tennessee Downtown Conference Center. There's free parking in the Walnut Street Garage. You can go to financialsurvivalforretirement.com to download a syllabus and to register and get more information. Now, the traditional retirement where you work for years and then you stop and you, and, and you don't really do anything at that point, it's changing. Not only does doing nothing sound dull, but it can also leave money on the table. You know, you might want to earn a little bit of income in retirement with things that are enjoyable. It might just be quality of life, but you may want to work some in retirement. And don't discount the importance of that. You know, there are two main reasons why people work in retirement, and it's becoming more and more common. One is, of course, for financial security. Uh, life expectancies are increasing. That puts more pressure on retirement savings to last longer. And what happens in the first five to ten years of retirement with your life savings is everything. You know, if you, this is kind of a crazy statistic, but if you live for 30 years in retirement, so in other words, let's say you retire in your 60s and you live for 30 years, which is kind of about average now for a married couple. One of you would live 29, 30 years. Your success or failure throughout all that retirement, over 80% of it is determined in the first 10 years. It's not incremental. It's not, well, whatever happens in year one, has a 130 of an impact over the 30 years. What happens in the first five, five years has over a 50% impact on your long-term success or failure. In other words, if you have a significant hit to your life savings in the early years of retirement, it can really be devastating. So the impact of doing some part-time work, some consulting, something in the early phases of retirement has a dramatic effect on long-term income security. And if I were to run you an illustration to show you that, which we do that all the time in our office, you would be amazed at what you see in terms of the increased stability and in income security in retirement, just from even an extra year or two of not being able to hit your life savings as hard for income. We also know costs are increasing, especially health care costs. Uh, we know retirement funding has shifted from defined benefit plans, where you get a pension for life, to defined contribution plans, like a 401k, where 
the money's been contributed and you now have to take that life savings and convert it into income as opposed to a pension where they're kind of doing it for you and you, you've got that guarantee of income. Defined contribution plans, you're taking the risk and you have to take your life savings and produce steady, dependable, increasing income. So, you know, there are some big financial implications potentially. Now, the only way to know that is to run analyses on your own retirement. You know, what if you retire in two years and you do full retirement? What does your income need? You know, how much is your Social Security and other income going to cover that? What is the gap that you have to fund with withdrawing from your savings? What are the long-term implications of that? Now, if you worked part-time or as a consultant for two or three or five years, what's that impact? What does that look like 15, 20 years from now? Because it is normally, usually a pretty dramatic effect. Now, I meet with plenty of people. They don't need to do that. And that leads us to our second reason why retirees work during retirement years. It keeps them active mentally and physically. You know, stopping work altogether is a major lifestyle change. And one thing I've seen too many times is people are kind of stressed out from work. They're anxiously awaiting retirement and they don't plan through what they're going to do when they retire. They're just so anxious to get rid of the stress of work. They retire. Everything's great for a few weeks. And then all of a sudden, they don't have anything to do. You know, you may initially relish the ease of fewer responsible, but we are human beings. It doesn't take long for us to get bored and feel the urge to be doing something and to be productive, to be helpful, participate in the world around us, and devote ourselves to something challenging and fulfilling. You know, stopping work can make us relax too much. Without activity, your brain and your body can deteriorate faster than it would have with a more physically and mentally active lifestyle. You know, I don't know about you. I see this when I go on vacations. I have to be careful that I don't sit around, sleep in too much, because if I do that, I start feeling awful within a couple, three days. Even on vacation, even if it's just for a week, it's important to get up and have a schedule and be productive and doing things and enjoying things and whatever it is, but especially when you're full-time retired. And then, of course, there's an emotional and a social implication of working that can sometimes have a profound impact when you retire. You know, I'm going to use my dad as an example. You know, my dad, he passed away about six years ago little over six years ago. He was almost 88. He had a great long life. But he didn't retire till age 70. Um, he, was, he was a successful lawyer over at the University of Tennessee. And he was kind of identified through his kids. I was one of four kids, the youngest, and through his work. And when he, he was, he, you know, he was kind of like, I'm ready to retire ready to be done. He liked to play golf. He liked to do different things. So he retired and he was kind of bored, frankly. And it started a long-term deterioration that lasted about 18 years. He wasn't as active. He didn't have as many social networks. He didn't have schedules. He just didn't have the productivity that we as humans innately need. 
So there are a lot of benefits to working part-time or doing consulting work, whatever it is. So number one, have a concrete financial plan that factors in, do you need part-time work? Uh, would it help make you more secure to be able to transition into a, you know, less work? Should you delay claiming Social Security, does, does working part-time allow you to do that and get those 8% per year increases from full retirement age to age 70? And don't ignore the plan for your lifestyle. I will say that as you approach retirement, planning for the social, emotional, overall lifestyle implications of the transition into retirement is just as critical as the financial implications. Don't underestimate it. And then how can you transfer from full-time to part-time work? You know, first, you might turn your hobby into a business if you have a hobby that you can make money from. You know, you can, might consider consulting work. I have a lot of clients that do some part-time consulting in their retirement, especially in those first few years. It gives them a lot of enjoyment, and then it does have a big financial implication. You might want to do work from home. And if you create structure and routine and schedules, that works very well as well. So don't take lightly the benefits, both financially and emotionally and socially and lifestyle-wise, of, of doing some part-time work, whether it's consulting or hobby-type work or whatever, or maybe it's volunteer, you know, not volunteering. Maybe it's working a couple of days a week at the golf course as a marshal. Or maybe it's something social, like being a greeter at a store part-time. Whatever it is, think about the productivity that that could potentially lead to. Now, when we come back, we're going to take an honest look at annuities. Annuities is kind of an interesting word because if you plug it into a Google search, you'll find uh, what seems like an endless number of opinions. Are they good? Are they bad? Some say they're the greatest thing since sliced bread. Some say they're absolutely awful. Don't ever do it. The answer probably lies a little bit more in the middle because they come in a lot of shapes and sizes and varieties. So when we come back, we're going to kind of get into an honest look at annuities. So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan here at News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. This is More Living with Jim Brogan, where it's all about living the best years of your life your way. You're listening to News Talk 98.7 WOKI. We're with you every Saturday, 9 to 10 a.m. And again, from 3 to 4 p.m., you can download all our shows. You can look, podcast them on, your, on our website at broganfinancial.com. Click on radio, or you can listen to podcasts on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Now, there are many financial planning tools out there for people, and there are certain products and services that work for some and don't work for others. If you've ever put the word annuity or annuities into a Google search, it seems like there's an endless number of opinions on whether they're the hidden secret to your retirement or they can't give you what you need or even that they're bad. Um, I've even heard, seen some say they're evil. 
which of course is silly. I mean, a thing can't be evil, but could it cause problems? So that's what I want to dive into in this segment is, you know, what do you need to know about annuities? What are, you know, what's the good, what's the bad? You know, I could spend a whole show on it, but let's just take a few minutes here and walk you through the various types of annuities. Now, they come in a lot of sizes and shapes and varieties. A lot of times when the people hear the word annuity, and if you look it up in the dictionary, it has an intention of paying out an income stream in the future. So they think of it as kind of like a pension. You get an income for life, you die, probably it's gone, although there are alternatives to that. You know, it could pay for two, both spouses' life. It could pay for life with a return of, in, of principal guarantee. There are all kinds of options. But the bottom line is it provides guaranteed income for life. And, and outside of a pension, you know, on the commercial environment, how can a private investor go and do something to create a guaranteed income for life? The only way you can do that is with an annuity. Now, pension-type annuities, I'll call those income annuities, are where you take a pot of money and you contribute it, and then either immediately or some point in the future, you generate an income stream that's guaranteed for life. And it may have a guarantee of principal or some period of time, but you cannot outlive it no matter how much income you draw. Uh, income annuities, you know, with pension guarantee, pension type annuities with income guarantees, uh, they are becoming popular. Uh, the thing people don't love about pension, true pension type annuities is you lose control of the principal. So if you take $300,000 and you turn that into an income annuity at age 70, and let's say it pays, I don't know, 20000 a year, 25000 $25, a year, something like that. And it's guaranteed for life. But now you don't have a $300,000 asset anymore. You technically, it goes off of your balance sheet. It is no longer part of your balance sheet unless you've put some sort of a guarantee in there for the kids because it's guaranteed income for life. So a lot of people don't like losing control of that principle. But typically, a, a pension-type annuity is going to provide the greatest guaranteed income with the amount of money that you have. You just lose control of the principle. So they're not as popular today because there are other types of income annuities, and I mentioned that a minute ago. Uh, but to clarify, there are different types of annuities that you can put income features on where you do not give up the control of the principal. I'll talk about that in a minute. So the first kind, I'm going to put them in four general categories. The first kind is a typical pension type annuity. And that's what a lot of people think of when they think of the word annuity. And they think, well, I don't like that because I, I, the money's gone when I die. There are benefits. The biggest challenge is you lose control of the principal. And typically, it does not pay anything at death. So that balance is going to zero, just like your pension, a pension at work would, or Social Security is really a type of an annuity funded by the government. Now then there are variable annuities. Variable annuities are kind of like mutual fund types of annuities. In other words, inside the annuity itself, the money's invested, and it is in a mix of, they're called separate accounts. They look just like mutual funds and work very much like mutual funds. They're just called separate accounts. And your investment amount is driven by the value of those funds, those separate accounts 
or mutual fund types of accounts, if you will. In those types of annuities, typically you don't give up the control of the principal. Now, the biggest criticism of variable annuities that you'll hear, I will tell you, I am not a fan as a rule of variable annuities. It doesn't mean that they would never have their place, but as a rule, I'm not a fan. Uh, the, and one reason is they, they do typically have excessive fees. The average variable annuity, when you look at all the fees and charges, including the expenses of the funds, you know, mutual fund type investments have fees, internal expenses. When you add that on to the extra fees that you get with a variable annuity, they're usually 3 to 4% per year. And that means you, you, you make 3 to 4% less when the market is up and you lose 3 to 4% more when the market is down. And that's not a great situation. Uh, but, but then one of the biggest things I don't love about them is you have a limited choice of investments. When it comes to investing your money, especially when you take risk because a variable annuity is a mutual fund type of an annuity, even if it's got 50 or 60 investment choices, the reality is we, we live in a world with over, you know, tens of thousands of choices. And I don't want anybody to be limited by what they can invest in. And, and you know, by and large, mutual funds are mediocre or poor. So you really want access to the best of the best. You want access to index funds. You know, there's all kinds of things you might want to invest in. You probably can't get a great diversification of asset classes. How are you going to get commodities or energy or real estate or natural resources? Can you get that even in a variable annuity? So they're just limited choices and they have those excessive fees. Now you do get, to be clear, you do get something for those fees. And the number one thing you get is a guaranteed return of principal at death. So you know, if I'm 83 years old and I put $100,000 in a variable annuity, and in two years it goes down 30000 and it's worth seventy, and I die, my beneficiary is going to get 100 That is a nice feature. Uh, and then they, you can add other features that increase the fees. All right? But I'm not, as a rule, a big fan of variable annuities. Then there are fixed-rate annuities, and I'll call those CD-type annuities where you get a fixed return for a fixed amount of time and then the money's liquid. These are also called guaranteed interest contracts. These are, if you, if you have a 401k with stable value, that's actually what a lot of those stable value funds is they buy a mix of guaranteed interest contracts that may range from one to 10 years with insurance companies. By and large, guaranteed interest contracts pay more than CDs. Not always, but as a rule. Uh, now, you usually have to go out at least two to three years to get a good fixed rate annuity or guaranteed interest contract. What if you want a six or 12 month? Well, they usually, usually don't see those. But if you have a three-year uh, multi-year guarantee, guaranteed interest contract, you, you know exactly what you're going to earn for the three years. And then at the end of the three years, the money's liquid and you can do something else with it. Now then the fourth type of annuities is what is kind of, kind of a hybrid product called a fixed indexed annuity. 
And the way a fixed indexed annuity works is you have a guaranteed return of principal, but then earning a, instead of earning a fixed rate, your rate is actually indexed to some sort of a market index, let's say the S&P 500. You're not guaranteed to get any positive return in any given year. You're just guaranteed not to lose due to market losses. So if, if the market's up one year, you can do a good bit better than a fixed rate CD or fixed rate guaranteed interest contract or bond. But if the market's not up much or if it's down, certainly if it's down, you, you just make a zero. So they have pros and cons. The, the idea is over a period of five to seven years, you have a better opportunity to beat inflation. But you don't have a guaranteed, you know, I'm going to make four or five percent a year. Uh, fixed indexed annuities, as a rule, do not have fees and charges unless you cash in early. And that's the other thing you've got to understand about different annuity vehicles. Most annuity vehicles, not all, but most charge a penalty if you cash it in early. Now, most provide some sort of access to the money during the term. It might be 5 to 10% per year with no penalty. But if you cash the whole thing in, unless it was for something like you passed away, the whole th you would have a, an early withdrawal penalty. And so it's important to keep that in mind, all right, because there are advantages and disadvantages to anything. So when we hear the word annuity, the one thing I would be cautious of, you know, there's some I'm a fan of, some I'm not a big fan of. And even if I, there's one I am a fan of, I'm very, very picky as to what will meet people's needs the best. The bottom line is there's no magic elixir. There's no magic product, whether it's an annuity or a stock or a mutual fund or a bond. There's no one thing that's going to solve all your planning needs. You're going to need as we that kind of go back to that word diversification, you need a little bit of a lot of different things, okay? And they all have pros and cons. Every single thing, every single thing you could invest or save your money in has pros and cons, okay? So also be careful. So be careful when somebody talks about how great something is as kind of this be-all, end-all product. And then also be careful when somebody says, don't ever do something like that. Just a categorical Oh, I hate annuities. I, I don't think that's fair either. I mean, I mentioned earlier, I'm not a fan of variable annuities, but does that mean that there's never an instance where somebody might want to own one? No, not at all. There could be an instance, especially when, if somebody wants that return of principal at death. Uh, there, you know, there could be some tax reasons. So, you know, be careful when you get absolutes like that. I have found when people speak in absolutes like something's great or just the best thing in the world or something's always bad, um, I usually raises my antenna tremendously because usually those people are trying to sell something. It might be selling their advice and they're trying to do a take on things to get your attention, but usually they're just trying to sell something. Now we're going to get to our final break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about uh, wrapping up the financial planning that you need in retirement. We're going to talk about taxes and inflation. So stay with us. This is More Living with Jim Brogan here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. 
Welcome back to News Talk 98.7's Brogan Financial Studios, where Jim Brogan is coming to you live with important news and advice to help you achieve your dream retirement. Get ready to learn and live. Here's your host, Jim Brogan. Thanks for tuning in this week to More Living. This is News Talk 98.7 WOKI. Check out all our resources on our website. Go to BroganFinancial.com. Click on Resources. We've got guides there that you can download complimentary. We've got blogs with good information. We've got a, a, a schedule of all the classes that I'm teaching through both the University of Tennessee and Mississippi State through the fall. The next class is actually a week from Tuesday income planning for retirement and you can go to PellissippiRetirementIncome.com for more information it is on uh, Tuesday August the 29th it's a two-hour class at Pellissippi State Hardin Valley one of the most over underlooked excuse me one of the most underlooked areas of inflation is its effect on your taxes you know inflation itself poses an issue with your daily budget and when expenses go up and get steeper, the immediate concern is, is my budget covered throughout retirement? But increasing income often increases income tax burdens. Now, to be clear, the income tax brackets do go up a little bit each year for inflation, for cost of living adjustments. However, they typically go up slower than the true rate of inflation. So what that means is over time, you're going to have what I call bracket creep, where if, if you need to try to draw more income to beat inflation, your tax bracket is going to slowly creep up. So tax bracket creep. And there are some ways you can be creative about that. Now, there are some things that pay tax-free interest, Things like uh, there, there are things like uh, you know municipal bonds, but they pay less interest than a taxable bond. Most people in retirement aren't in a tax bracket where that would even be warranted. Uh, there are Treasury inflation-protected securities, but that income, that those earnings are going to be taxed when you pull out the income. So really, one of the greatest wealth protection strategies long-term is holding assets that grow and don't spit off regular taxable income capital assets, things like stocks, real estate, growth mutual funds, but of course those can carry more risk. So it's so critically important to understand how these things are related in your retirement and have them planned for properly. This is exactly the kind of thing I'll cover in my classes this fall. Again, go to BroganFinancial.com and click on Classes. Thank you for tuning in this week. Thanks, Chris, for engineering the show. Thank you, Jill, for helping produce the show. Today, we've discussed your money because a greater lifestyle provides for more living so you can live the best years of your life your way. I hope you have a very blessed weekend. Until next week. Have a great week. You're listening to More Living here on News Talk 98.7 WOKI. The views expressed by Jim Brogan and his guests are not that of Cumulus Media. Any discussion of financial, legal, and tax planning strategies is not intended to be individualized advice and is general in nature. Always consult with your advisor for advice specific to your needs. This program's content does not represent a recommendation of any particular security, strategy, or investment by Jim Brogan or Brogan Financial Incorporated.